Okay, we can start recording now. Okay, now we'll have a recording going. Oh, shit. Welcome back, listener, to episode 17 of the Downloadable Concept Podcast. Super effective against nerds, it's Talon Lee. I don't know what I'm doing or what I meant to say. He evaded the attack, Jeb Wrench. Shouldn't let me use double team so many times. And I have three munch laxes in a man suit, Fox Lee. <laughs> okay, so, listener, you might notice that the audio quality here is a little shaky. That's partly because we've had some technical difficulties in our Canadian branches of the downloadable concept offices. <laughs> um, and also because Fox and I have the plague. This is what we go through to bring you your weekly entertainment, dear listener. Yep. Yes. So what I'm saying is no matter how much you want to, please do not make out with your digital device while you are listening to our voices. So, hey, Fox, what have you been playing lately? Lots of stuff. Lots of stuff. I've seen. <laughs> let's see. Okay. What have I? Let's, let's uh, run through them in the order of time I spent playing them. Um, I played a little Freedom Planet just to check that it was working and everything. think I need to go back to using a keyboard. I, I did not like using it for a gamepad. It's weirding me out right now because I'm still used to actual Sonic the Hedgehog games. So yeah, the idea of having a separate attack button is kind of making me go... Um, Jeb mentioned that he also had some troller compatibility issues with Freedom Planet too. I don't seem to be having compatibility issues. It just... Uh, using the stick... Uh, doesn't oh, yeah. gel very well with the platforming for me. I think if I use the controller, I'm going to have to switch over to the D-pad. Ah, anyway, it's very Genesis-esque. Also, they really fucking needed to include a sound setting for the sound effects and voices as well. Just the music, not enough. So I'm pretty much running it with the sound off, and that disappoints me, because I like the music, I just don't like voice acting very much. And frankly, I kind of like it with the voices turned off, just because that makes it extra genesis uh, I actually kind of like the voice acting in Freedom Planet, though. It adds a certain charm to it, I think. It's not too bad, but I don't really have the cheesy voice acting nostalgia that a lot of people do. I, I tended to hate uh, dubs and Saturday morning cartoon voice acting. I will say this, it does sound like the characters are young. Mm-hmm. Sure. Which normally when I'm hearing uh, cartoons like the Sonic era cartoons, I tend to think that I'm hearing adults pretending to be kids. No, you almost always are. Yeah. Well, and- the thing is, though, when you talk about the, the, the Saturday morning or the, the, that era of Sonic cartoons, my entire life based on, on Dr. Robotics voice acting <laughs> in the, well, the yeah. weekday afternoon cartoon. So. This is why we're not allowed to use the H word on the podcast around Jeb without some preparation and lead up. No, so, oddly enough, I can't actually, I, I can't do the voice and it's one of my greatest failures. Aww. Otherwise, I would say that I hate that hedgehog. <laughs> oh, that one. That hedgehog, yes. That was a morning cartoon here. Yeah. Um, you that also was a play... cheese TV cartoon over here. Yeah. Oh, God, cheese TV. Okay, moving on. You also played, by my eye, some Tomb Raider? I played a little Tomb Raider 2, which I had quite fond memories of. That are now gone. <laughs> oh, my God, how did we ever play 3D games like that? <laughs> Motherfucker, that thing is... Oh. Yeah. Fucking, you like turn and then you run. And if you try to turn while running, you're pretty much gonna run off the edge of a thing. And oh! It's really bad tank controls. What is that shit? I can't believe I never really, noticed. We hadn't really figured out the whole analog control thing at time. You know how there's the risk of becoming a Jill sandwich? There's also the risk of becoming Lara paste. 
I, I wouldn't really call that a risk. <laughs> it is a mathematical certainty. <laughs> I used to be so good at running the obstacle course in that, because, of course, I only had the demo. I, I couldn't afford to buy real computer games. But uh, it's a mystery to me now as to how. But the level design, it, it's still full of textures that don't look like edges. Oh, I can't see shit. <laughs> uh, it's what we call, uh, it's uh, it's analog. It's analog 3D. Everything is analogous to something else. This yeah. sort of represents a cliff. This sort of represents a tree. This sort of represents a bear. This sort of represents a turning circle. Ooh. This yeah. sort of represents a video game. <laughs> I also had the idea that the early Tomb Raiders weren't very supernatural, and I realized that this is because the uh, FMVs didn't work on my copy. So I hadn't seen the intro where there's just straight up a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hi there. Oh, I don't remember any of this. I remember this discussion coming up around Tomb Raider, the recent relaunch, where you said, oh, no, they're basically Indiana Jones movies. There's nothing supernatural in them. It all comes up at the end. Like, are, you, are you sure we're remembering the same game here? In the later entries in the title. <laughs> we're talking about the game where the actual... Are we sure we're remembering the same Indiana Jones? <laughs> well, that, you know, it, the supernatural shit tended to come up at key moments or at the very end, but mostly it was just some dork running around trying not to die. Yeah, and... Uh, as opposed to Lara Croft, who at one point gets Thor's fucking hammer. <laughs> and you remember evil clone Lara, I'm yeah. sure. There's been an evil clone Lara in almost every iteration of the game. I think there's a... I don't think she appears in the first one, but there's like a secret video on the disc implying that she was created or something. And there's a skinless Lara doppelganger. Yeah. In, in I think, the second one. It, <laughs> it, yeah. You also have played, and I'm guessing this is the one you've spent the most time on, Legend of Korra. Yes! It is a very good game. People are right. Yeah, it's also really fucking hard, isn't it? <laughs> it's pretty hard. I had a way easier time than you, uh, which I, I'm not going to attribute just to play skill because I was also using a gamepad, which they quote unquote strongly recommend. I I do heartily. I could have told you that. <laughs> yeah, I I do very much accept my just not that good at platinum. It was interesting because they the way they describe the difficulty is the normal difficulty is like if you're familiar with action games or whatever <laughs> like that. And I'm like, sure, I'm familiar with action games. <laughs> Fuck you! You didn't tell me familiar with this specific type of action game. What we mean is, have you been mainlining Devil May Cry three yeah, for much. the past seven years? <laughs> But that said, I came to terms with it, and a couple of things, a couple of difficulty spikes were my own damn fault for not reading the tutorial instructions properly, I think. Like, until the last stage, I didn't realize I could charge chi at the same time as dodging shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, if I remember correctly, the plot is a load of bullshit and chips. Yeah, hell yes, but there, okay, there could basically be a Korra drinking game where, you know, take a shot when Korra loses her powers, it's just a thing. <sighs> By the way, people made fun of Katara for crying a bit. Let's not count the number of times Korra breaks into tears in her series. We don't want to know that number. It's not going to go well. Radio. Hey, Jeb. Yeah. What have you been playing lately? What haven't I been playing lately? I know. You're, you're, you're a jet-setting internet uh, video game journalist. I take it they fly you over to Los Angeles every day to try the newest and latest video games. Every once in a while, I get to play something that isn't bad. Uh, yeah, so I'd like to talk for a moment about Chroma Squad, which is a strategy role-playing game and a studio management sim about running your own uh, Super Sentai show. Ooh! It is... Amazing. <laughs> okay, that is a fantastic idea. <laughs> it's funny. It's fun to play. You get you get rewarded in most 
episodes. Each level is, of course, you know, episodes. Mm-hmm. You get rewarded for uh, using your teamwork attacks. Have a five-person teamwork attack on the boss as a finishing move. <laughs> because you can't just, you, you know, for to properly entertain your audience, you can't just kick the boss, the kick the the, the monster of the week and it falls over. No, no, no. You have to do the 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 combine all of your powers and destroy it finally. That's very cool. Is there? And by a... finally, I, and by finally, I mean wait for it to come back in its next form. Then you hop in your giant robot. <laughs> Is there a high-ranking bad guy who uh, still has shades of nobility and, you know, eventually near the end of the series, you're going to get him to do a, a heel face turn? And- I had not played that far into it. Oh, but that early, in be. The first, early in the first season, I was introduced to the Sixth Ranger. Nice. <laughs> in the first one, season. One, that's, that's appropriate to... Uh, yeah. Yes, okay. that, that, that's only for one episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, only for one episode. So. Right, right, of course. It's the same way that Samurai uh, as you, Cats had. I can't believe I'm going to try and start talking about that. <laughs> as you were saying, Jeff. As uh, you start off, your outfits and your mecha are all made of cardboard. <laughs> <laughs> as you record your episode, you collect items for crafting so that you can make, like, plastic swords <laughs> and bucket helmets. It's got a crafting system and monsters and a strategic element, and it doesn't and suck. It has <laughs> zombies too. Oh, it has why zombies, does, of course. Why does it have zombies in universe? Because the costume shop had a sale. This is why. It, it even somehow manages to have a serious in-game conversation about sexist tropes in Sentai series. Awesome. <laughs> I, I I heartily recommend you check out Chroma Squad if you can. Even if you don't have the the Power Rangers memories going on, <laughs> by the way, you can name your squad. Yes. You can configure their colors. There's a bunch of characters you can choose from. Can you name the individual heroes? Yes. 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 You can even name your robot. What is this? I name mine Steve. Uh, you can name your squad, your members, your robot, your. Uh, what they call it when they call the robot, you can set that. You can set what you what they call it when they transform. Because you don't start the episode transform. You're just five teenagers with attitude. So you have to go through a round of combat. Then you can transform, and you can customize what you say when you transform. This is beautiful. Tell me it's, what device this magic happens on. Steam. It's on Steam. It is on PC, and I don't know if it's on Linux. If it, it, it is a little bit of a shame in my mind that it's only on Steam right now because having seen screenshots, it probably would have done pretty well as a, uh, 3DS title. But it would be, yes. I'm not uh, it's on, it's on, it's on Mac, Win- Windows, and Linux. Right. It's a lot so harder to run Steam can, can run Chrome Squad. It's a lot harder to get your indie shit on 3DS though. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this was... instant, instant. <laughs> I understand Nintendo is still kind of dicks about that sort of licensing. This this actually, not to segue into a greater point, but we mentioned before we started recording, uh, Shovel Knight. The Shovel Knight devs, like, Shovel Knight is, by indie game standards, Shovel Knight is a runaway success. Its sales numbers are really ridiculously high. And that was brought out recently by one of the devs showing, here are our sales numbers, here are industry insight numbers about other major games, here are fans' reactions to numbers like these, where they were talking about how NeoGAF, for example, people who consider themselves very inside on video game distribution have no clue what successful numbers look like. <laughs> a bit of Dunning-Kroger going on there? Well, a bit, yeah, a bit of Dunning-Kroger going on. And one of the things that came up in this thread was lots of people saying, I don't know why they put Shovel Knight on the Wii U. Um, they only sold 400,000 units there. 
So that's 500,000 units after they've already made all their money selling it on PC. And, whatnot. That's, and that's a 400,000 number units. for an independent title on a Wii U. Yeah. On of 700,000 units total. That's F. <laughs> yeah. The Wii U is a perfect platform for them. They said, yeah, we, we had to do a lot of fighting and a lot of effort to get onto the Wii U. And it was worth it for us because this is like basically our market port a Wii U. This is something that, uh, so, so you have this two-part frustration of, gee, wow, people are knuckleheads about things they think they're experts on, and also, holy crap, the Wii U is a good place to be if you're a Nest-style platformer. <laughs> Who knew? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, also, just the, the Nintendo console of any given generation is probably going to be owned by the people who consider themselves hardcore gamers, but not in the... Not in the first-person shooter, you know, only games that are suitable for adults, manly, grr kind of hardcore gamers. Yeah. Like, you know, the ones who still like cute, silly shit, but, uh, you know, want more serious game experiences than casual stuff. Uh, and uh, I, I thought you were going to say the, the games used to be better 20 years ago, crowd. Huh? I the, thought you were going to say the games used to be better used to be better 20 years ago, crowd. Oh, for the target audience for definitely the them too. Yeah. Um, the the interesting thing about this is that, for example, we have the numbers of um, Tomb Raider. Remember, a couple of years ago, there was this new story about SquareSoft actually getting mad about their uh, distribution vectors, only selling two million units of Tomb Raider, <laughs> and the resultant reaction from the Western games press going, "Are you kidding? That is bananas! Two million units." Well, yeah, but they spent an absurd amount of money on that. Game. Yeah. Also, SquareSoft appear to have a very um, it, there appears to be a cultural thing with Squaresoft where there is literally no option to be just good. Everything needs to be selling at blockbuster numbers every time. So Deus Ex Human Revolution, Hitman Absolution, and Tomb Raider were all, according to them, failures because they're selling... Oh, and Final Fantasy Thirteen, Lightning Returns. They were all considered failures by Squaresoft because they didn't sell their projected numbers. In the case of Lightning Returns, that was 5 million units. Mm-hmm. They not get that, that, okay, Squaresoft, you're not what you used to be, okay? Everyone used to expect you to make amazing games. Now we mostly expect you to make funny things. <laughs> Just well, they're still selling them. better than, enough. they're still selling better than they ever have. Yeah. But Seriously? they're also spending more. Yeah. Good. And, and the market is generally getting bigger, which means that they are looking at their sales projection numbers and saying, well, we should be getting bigger at a bigger rate, mm-hmm. which is to say that they are assuming growth in the industry is growth in their sectors in the industry, as opposed to what growth in the industry actually is, which is things like mobile markets, independent consumers, and small venue stuff. And funnily enough, markets that aren't Japan. China's video game uh, landscape and Japan's video game landscape don't have as much overlap as an outsider would assume. I would assume they would have a heck of a lot at all. We're we're in a bit of a weird place in that we're from Southeast Asia, so we see China and Japan as very distinct, separate things. But from, for example, an American marketer's perspective, they are basically the same place, which is (laughs) Not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, American markets are fucking idiots about other countries. I would say that. Uh, the amount of generalizations I've heard them make about this fucking country. I I remember reading a marketing brochure once about um, it was an attempt to redistribute id software properties yeah. in the in has literally is it referred to the east. And it said that if you translate a game into Chinese, so just Chinese, it said that would get you two and a half 
billion new consumers. Now, I can see how they got that number. I can see how they got that number because they're going like, well, there are this the statistics on Southeast Asia and Asia indicate that there are about <laughs> two and a half billion people living in China and adjacent countries. It's just one of those adjacent countries is India. And yeah. India doesn't speak any variety of Chinese. And China doesn't all speak Chinese. They speak, what is it, five major variants of this language. Yeah. Why would you just assume you catch neighboring countries? That's is one of the dumbest assumptions I've ever heard. In, in North America, if you translate a property, in North America, if you translate, sorry, from, from the perspective of a Japanese developer coming to America, you translate a property into English, you get North America, you get Canada, you probably also get Australia, and you might even, on that single translation, get England. Yeah, but that's English. Yeah. That's that's not about countries and proximity to one another. That's about being conquering bastards for however many fucking decades. Yeah. It, it, it's, centuries. And whatever. honestly, that pamphlet of, of for selling that, the main thing that was trying to sell was not the idea of the Asian market. It was trying to sell, we as marketers know more than you developers do, which they don't. Ugh. They quite clearly don't. Uh, I, don't I don't know how that uh, particular pamphlet panned out, by the way. I kind of hope that uh, John Carmack laughed his ass off at them and that's all there was to it. But anyway, um... I also know there's another game Jeb's been playing this week. Uh, there's been a few. <laughs> Which one are you talking about? I was thinking about Elite Beat Agents. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> that one. The one I clicked for fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jeb, uh, we discussed this last week. What, uh, report back. Uh, we have a follow-up. Yesterday, I, I received my copy of Elite Beat Agents shortly after my computer breaked. And I played through Elite Beat Agents. Talon didn't warn me. <laughs> Talon did not warn me about the Dead Christmas Dad. Everyone, if if you're gonna play Elite Beat Agents, there is a Dead Christmas Dad. I believe you have to brace yourself for Dead Christmas Dad. We said that there was a Christmas episode. We said there was a really sad episode, and how there was someone who died, and you had to get over it. But we didn't make the point that it's from the perspective of Ghost Dad. No, I thought we did. Oh, well. sorry, yeah. Jeb. And Jeb and I talked about this a little yesterday. But one of the things that came up was that this game, this game has a lot of heart. This game has a lot of very sincere soul. <laughs> and the song that they choose for this, and the type of thing they're choosing for this, are both very much easily made into maudlin glurge. <laughs> the only way this works is if this game takes its very silly premise and a very silly song and takes them as seriously as it can. Yeah, and this, plays the uh, whole thing absolutely straight. This particular level may feature Chicago at their absolute schmaltziest. Yeah, I yes. hate that song. I love that song. <laughs> But then again, Elite Beat Agents also made me really appreciate a Hooberstank song, <laughs> which they're not my usual thing. But not that. Elite Beat Agents made me have a grow more of a dislike for for pop punk <laughs> <laughs> because it's I never realized how arrhythmic it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the Skater Boy level, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, well, all pop punk that's in it. Uh, yeah. Anthem. Yeah, which is a shame because the uh, Anthem level, you know, the 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 disaffected ex baseballer beating up a giant volcano golem through the power of baseball. <laughs> that's awesome. Tell you what, it didn't make me like. Didn't make that make me like that fucking La La song. Uh, that is a terrible fucking song. It is a terrible song. It's a terrible song, and level is good. Yeah. Everything else, like even Skater Boy, I could probably stand listening to, but... The one... All, all that pop punk is just so arrhythmic that it's... The, the, the things I'm pushing aren't syncing up with the music at all. Um, I guess oh, it's all off, off beats or something, but... 
Yeah, Owen Dunn is actually even harder for that because Owen Dunn deliberately involves a bunch of songs with syncopation. Oh. I've, um, Have you gotten to Canned Heat yet? That was the one I was going to. Yeah, because Canned Heat, the first, uh, e- each song being made up of three sections, each of those sections in Canned Heat on, I think it's the uh, text difficulty, um, they jump from follow this part of the beat. Okay, we're going to we're gonna shift to a different part of the beat. Every time the color changes, you are now tracking a different part of the beat. This makes Canned Heat incredibly hard. Let's Dance does that as well. Yeah. And it's, does it have a, an unusual time signature as well? I feel like it does. Uh, Let's Dance makes you jump between the guitar and the singer. And the singer is David Bowie doing a deliberately stilted thing. Yeah, I think I think deliberately stilted is, is what I'm referring to with an unusual time signature. I don't know what it is because I studied music a long time ago and I was no... Deliberately right. stilted is my okay <laughs> But on the other hand, when they do let you play with like one of the classic rock songs, like, um, I don't know if you've unlocked it, but there's ABC. Uh, I have not unlocked the extra songs now. Yeah. Uh, you have you have songs like ABC. You have Highway Star. You have um, oh, you have Jumpin' Jack Flash as the big finale. Right. I love playing that. That is such a fun song to do. That's a good choice for the finale because of course it's not easy to do because it's the last stage. But if you're gonna do something dozens of times over, yeah, you better make it one of and your most fun songs. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I really like the entire thing of Owen Dunn and Elite Beat Agents. I wish it had been even more successful than it was. Yeah, I can't believe there's no EBA too. That really bums me out. I one of the rumors that circulated, and it is ultimately just a rumor. One of the rumors that circulated was that Capcom were considering um, buying up the studio that made Owen Dunn and making Capcom branded Owen Dunn style levels, so you'd actually have like a Phoenix Wright court case. Ah. <laughs> that led to a fan actually creating such a using the online song. But yeah, it would be very. Yeah. I, I, I just love chanting so much about what they think of Elite Beat Agents. It's just such a wonderful game. <laughs> plays dirty pool. Oh, that, it plays dirty. That, that, <laughs> that, 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 is, that is, that is, that is, that is foul, that is foul, that's not, that's not playing fair. <laughs> Though I will note, when a game normally plays that dirty, you usually stop playing. Well, I did stop playing. <laughs> because my soul was crappy. Oh. Yeah, losing that mission the first time you try it is... Once you lose that mission, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, man, I forgot about what happens if you lose. <laughs> Another thing to remember is that this game, Elite Beat Agents, is not targeted at... It, it was made in the um, mid-2000s. It was not targeted at the I'm in my 30s and I have a DS crowd because that hadn't really coalesced yet in the marketing branding. This game was targeted at the people who were closer in age to the little girl. Oh, yeah, it was, you know, tween, teen kind of game. Yeah, it's Ashley Simpson and Skater Boy. Yeah, but also the Rolling Stones and Chicago. (laughs) Fucking Earth, Wind and Fire. That, oh, yeah, the Earth, Wind and Fire song is really good. What is it? Uh, September. September, yeah. That's pretty good. YMCA as well. I wonder how many kids now (laughs) know these songs. Exactly. So, I mean, they... Well, the reason why they included those, those classic songs is so that the parents didn't take the annoying, <laughs> that's uh, probably no- true. annoying video game box from the child's hands as they were playing it for hours on end. <laughs> Talon, what have you been playing? I have been going on a bit of a, well, I've been going back to the retro caves, sinking down to the deep, miry wells of games that come from, like, the early and mid-80s. <laughs> okay, what with Quest in its name have you been playing this week? Um, I Please have, tell me you've been playing the Impossible Mission. I have not. Oh, well, actually, I did try and get Impossible Mission working, and then I found out how incredibly hard that game is. <laughs> um, one might almost say impossible. Um, thanks to Kess, I actually went back and looked at the old Fantasy Star games for a bit, had a bit of a fiddle around with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I don't have it in me to get 
get into a full JRPG these days, especially when we're dungeon crawling. Yeah. But I don't, I don't definitely don't have it in me to yeah. play through a whole JRPG. I, I have to also play a bunch of Tales of Graces and Wisps. <laughs> Um, Fantasy Star 4 is one of the earliest console games I played because I was, you know, I was a Sega kid. So, well, I wasn't really a Sega kid. I was a uh, Sega loyalist because my cousin had a Mega Drive and I didn't have anything. You were in the reserves. So I was anti-Nintendo, goddammit. <laughs> so when I stole emulators and games for free, I stole Sega games. <laughs> and Pokemon. Um, but this did get me going on to Sierra, looking back at the Sierra okay. history. So I'm probably going to wind we up... We need right to have an intervention. <laughs> kind of want a Let's Play the Black Cauldron game. <laughs> so, yeah, basically I've just been doing what I always do, which is getting all head up about games with Quest in the title. <laughs> which ones? Um, in this case it was Space Quest 3. Is that the terrible one? They're all terrible ones. <laughs> is that the one where nothing happens? That is, in fact, the Andrew one where nothing happens. Right. That's part of my thesis about it. Anyway. Oh, there's going to be an article on this? There will be an article on this. Oh, good. Stay tuned, listeners. That said, given that we're going for a short show this week and we're not going to do a lot of editing, I believe You're calling that- short. And now it's time for Retro Gaming News. All the news is fit to print for the month of May 2014. Brought to you by X-Death Branch Removal Services. Trim those unsightly growths. Oh, this not stealing my bit. First things first, we have a first-person perspective survival game. It's procedurally generated. What year are we in? What year are we in? 2014. Eldritch? Not Eldritch. Uh, good good guess, though. Usually gets inside it. Uh, not Delver. Is it being relaunched on a second console? It has been relaunched on other things, but that's not... No, no I meant is the 2014. No, no, the 2014 okay. is its actual first release. It wa- it has a post-apocalyptic aesthetic, but not a conventional one. So it's not, you know, nuclear fallout, not zombie apocalypse. It's a different kind of apocalypse. It's very British. Oh, oh, fuck. I don't know what it's called. Damn it! Uh, is it... No, it's not So Are You Being Hunted. It's So Are You Being Hunted? It's So Are You Being Hunted. Yay! Big Yay. points. So, so you are being hunted. Sir, you are being hunted. That was not a question. Yes. Sir. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That one's a, an apocalypse in that robots have killed everyone. Mm-hmm. All Which, robots. by the way, you know, blessings upon them for doing something. Any apocalypse other than zombie. Okay, guys? <laughs> Let's just ease up on the zombies for a while. It's... So much worse than Ninjas vs. Pirates ever got. <laughs> uh, I want Ninjas and Pirates back, frankly. They were fun. <laughs> Zombies are not fun. Zombies are boring and smelly. <laughs> Alright, we have a franchise game. Oh, these are always such a great way to start. It's it's console-exclusive franchise game. It's a mainline entry in a game franchise that has had a lot of spin-offs. It is what one of the... Uh, the something awful Let's Play a Cloud would describe as cute and important. It's a Kirby game? It's a Kirby game. Oh. I uh, asked you to guess the specific one. one. Oh, no, no, hang on. If it's if it's last year, that's... Last year, main entrance on the... Triple Deluxe? Triple Deluxe, yep. I was going to say that. Yep. Okay. Curse you, wrench! <laughs> that's impressive for me to get one, because I don't, I, I don't play Kirby games. Yeah. I fetch you a beating with my sick old man cane. <laughs> and, and in all seriousness, Kirby games are almost all really quite good. <laughs> it's just there's enough good games out there that. Uh. Okay, uh, this is going. 
This is a kickstarted indie adventure game. It's also a franchise game. It is generally, it, it, the franchise it's from is held up as one of the examples of how not to do things. Hey! <laughs> this franchise started as late back as 1991. It's an adventure game? It's an adventure game. It's new! <laughs> that was kickstarted. That was kickstarted. <laughs> the protagonist is a loser. Uh, all games. <laughs> Pretty much all adventure games from 1991. Actually, yeah. That was just was there a Monkey Island adventure game? No, because those are good. No, it wasn't a Monkey Island. Um, Bard's Tale? The thing that most... The, the, the hubris of the 90s incarnations of this game was in storage space. They heavily used full motion video in a period where that meant CD swapping. Good God. Christ, that's like half the games I played in the 90s. Yeah. But it's an adventure game with the defined protagonist who is a loser. Yes. Oh, 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 that, uh, 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 uh. He's there. I think he's there. Tex Murphy, uh, Yes! Uh, Tex Murphy, the Tesla effect. Yeah. They kickstarted a Tesla Murphy. They kickstarted a Tex Murphy game last year, and because it's digital distribution and it's a single download, it's actually way better than all the CD swappy ones. Those are an ex- considered a way to not do things. The Under a Killing I Moon heard so much good about them. Yes, people are fond of them. They are a drudge to play huh. on an actual CD. Now, as a single digital download, they actually work pretty well. Okay. They look like ass, but that's because yeah. FMV looks like ass. Tomb Raider 2, hi. Yeah. Alright then. Oh my god, early CG is so... Uh-huh. <laughs> less, I'd like to interrupt this for a moment. Something that's brought across my Twitter feed. Someone made a Jamiroquai game. <laughs> I, I, I saw that. I saw the... Uh... It is called a Jamiroquai game. Yes. And, it, and it's, it's, the, it's the, the room walk from Cosmic Girl. It's just walking towards the screen. That doesn't sound very fun. Well, you've got obstacles sliding back. Oh. Okay. So, we have... It's a virtual insanity. Yeah. Oh, sorry, you're virtual insanity, not Cosmic Girl. My bad. So, we have a franchise game. Oh. We have oh a console-exclusive franchise game. Huh? And it's not Nintendo. Huh? The franchise <laughs> is pretty old. It has not had a lot of installments, but it's definitely a franchise. The protagonist is a woman. The antagonist is a woman. All the antagonists, more or less, are women. All the characters, more or less, women? No, there are lots of boys in this game. Because you steal them. Oh. Hang on, is this that Dragon Guard 3? This is Dragon Guard 3. (laughs) I have very complicated feelings on Dragon Guard. (laughs) It... I am very surprised to see that that's what Drake and God 3 looks like. I yeah. Some of the art from the earlier ones. I'm like, how did we get from that to this? Knowing that that game and, like, it, it Drake and God 3 is one of the most, uh, Fujoshi games I've ever seen. It's basically, you get to play a particular feminine ideal of badass traveling around, beating up her sisters and taking her, taking their pretty boys for yourself. A particularly feminine. Uh, ideal. Uh, yeah. A particularly feminine version of it. 
But like, I, I am dead not interested in that because I, I don't want to play that character. Yeah, I don't like how she. Looks. But this is after this. This is after Nia, which is one of the most dad and Big Brother games I've ever seen. So this is they're clearly very good at indulgent character design. Mm. Well, everything's indulgent for someone because everything is someone's fetish. That's true. All right then. It is not a franchise game. Praise Jesus. <laughs> it came out on... Is it a relaunch, a remake, a spin-off, or any other kind of debris? No. But it was overshadowed by the previous game made by the same people. Okay. It has a very consistent aesthetic, which it was almost constantly praised for. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, uh, Transistor? Transistor, yes! Ah, damn! Wow, she's doing really well today. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's one of those, uh, you know, good song will make a band, great song will kill a band kind of thing. Like, anything they made after Bastion, people were going to be like, yeah, okay, but it's not, it's not Bastion. We, we expect you to revolutionize <laughs> indie gaming twice. <laughs> like, every time you put out a game, you can do that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So if you make something, if you make something amazing, make sure it's the last thing you ever do. Yep. Like, that being said, I have some legitimate complaints about Transistor. I, I have some complaints about Transistor too. I don't. That seems to be the case for everyone. Like, people didn't look down on it just cause it wasn't, uh, Bastion, but if, if it had been the first thing a studio brought out, you would have been like, you know, this is a damn fine first showing. Yeah, go you guys. Yes. See if you can fix these things, but broadly speaking, well done. Yeah, I, I think that's a really good way to point it. But um, now, but this said, it's, well, we know you can do better. Yeah. yeah. And in the case of Transistor, um, one reviewer commented about it, that it's that the language we use for reviews is one where we are more likely to talk about what a game tried and did badly than what it did try and did well. Um, and in the case of Transistor, that's really... Um, noteworthy because a lot of the stuff it tried and did badly if it had done it well it probably would have been like a really fantastic game but there are just enough dropped balls that it's such a hard game to love by comparison i mean you you were saying you had some had some complaints about it uh, jeb by all means oh actually asking for yeah <laughs> should we should we do that now though because we don't have a lot of time left that's true that's true actually yeah. you can talk about that in a future episode considering the finale for this run-up. All right. Okay. It's a game about a complete and utter asshole. <laughs> uh, Ubisoft game. Yes. No, Watch I... underscore dogs? It's watch underscore dogs. <laughs> Moving on. It's a virtual console release. So I think that I'm already p- pitching away from Jeb with this. <laughs> we're not talking about so Shovel Knight. Right? No, we're not talking about Shovel Knight. It's a very... Oh, wait, virtual console. Virtual console. It's a very cute game. It's a franchise game. It uses regular themes of dreams and movement in dreams. It's not nights into dreams. No. No. It has... Most of the games of this franchise, as I understand, were on the Game Boy Advance. Mm-hmm. Uh, jumping puzzles play very heavily into it. It's non-violent and kid-friendly, despite occasionally touching on themes of nightmares. Totally non-violent? I don't know if I'd say totally non-violent, because I haven't played all of them. 
but it's it's very it's not a very punitive game. Well, I mean, like, are we talking Kirby non-violent? Like, there might be a guy who has a punch power or whatever. Uh, I think even more non-violent. Though. Like, you pick up okay. enemies and throw them at one another. Okay. Is it like a sure? It's not a Kirby. It's not a bubble Kirby. bubble series or whatever they call it. Well, not not a bubble bubble series, but yeah, um, that style of thing. But specifically, I don't know what the word is. <laughs> the protagonist is a furry. The protagonist has a cute catchphrase that isn't a word. Oh, it's Klonoa. Klonoa! Oh. So this would have to be uh, Empire of Dreams? Empire of Dreams, which came out on the Virtual Console this time last year. Yeah, I'm so... You hear about this whole thing where they can't... There's something janky about getting the GBA emulator to work on the 3DS. So there's all these games which are perfect for handhelds, but they're only coming out on the Wii U Virtual Console. Yeah. I'm so pissed off. That Klonoa game is actually one of my favorite GBA games. It's friggin' adorable and just really good, fun, straightforward platforming stuff. And holy cow, his voice is the cutest thing. Yeah. If you can get your hands on um, a Klonoa game, give him a shot. Most of them, aside from the beach volleyball game, are kind of you know, good. <laughs> <laughs> There's been ups and downs. Talk about Klonoa or Dead or Alive. <laughs> the Wii one is, infor- is unfortunately just not that great. I really wanted it to be, but it's not. Yeah. All right. They did excellent in 2D, though. Second last game for this retro gaming news. Actually, I think that's the only one that was on the GBA, so you threw me with that clue. Oh, my bad. There might have been another one, but I think that's it. (laughs) Okay. Okay, so, second last game for this retro gaming news roundup. It's a game that was designed with the Oculus Rift in mind. It is an indie game. I think those two things don't work very well together, but still... I don't know about I don't that. Know. It seems pretty impressive stuff. I, I don't know. Rift Dev is so weird. Yeah, um, it's like indie is the only thing that could be on it right now. It's just that indie, t- t- to my eye, indie usually means low price point of entry, and uh, an Oculus Rift is not super cheap. Well, okay, yes, but if you're a nerd who has one for your own purposes. Okay. Indie just means you're not doing it professionally. That doesn't mean you don't have a job, you don't have money. Well, it just means that making games isn't necessarily your job. Indie is a weird word, and getting into the definition of indie is probably an episode onto itself. Fair point. Um, it's a horror game. Oh. It's a horror game that deliberately... I was thinking, uh, when you first started talking, I thought it was the, uh, the, uh, the Wipeout Lake game. No, no, and it's not the Dolphin game either. See, so I think I know what it is, but I have no idea what it's called. Like, I just, you know, I heard about first What's person the game called? games on the Oculus Rift. And anytime there's a game on the Oculus Rift, my, my reaction, I think they're all actually, the, the, the canonical name of all indie games on the Oculus Rift is, what the fuck is this game called? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> the Dolphin game. But this the one, game. But this one did launch. This one is playable on the PC without actually being on an Oculus Rift. Uh, it is a horror game that deliberately tries to use the character you're playing to define the horror. So instead of, oh, you're playing you, it does tell you from the outset you are not playing you yourself, you are playing a particular thing. Oh, uh, Among the Sleep? Yes, Among the Sleep. Where the shtick of the game is you are playing a three-year-old. It's fucking scary as hell. I imagine it would be. Yeah. Three-year-olds are scary. Everything is huge, and you're at the baby perspective, and oh, no, no, not yet, no. It gives you a good concept. It's it fucking silly. It, it, 
at the risk of sounding even more wanky than normal, it's really Brechtian. Like, it really makes you... De- you're dealing with things that are incredibly familiar to you, like a kitchen table, except it's not It's not a thing you walk up to and interact with. It's like a, a, a thing you have to overcome because it's so much bigger than you. Yeah, right. Well, that would, you know, that would inherently set you off because who remembers what it was like to look at a kitchen table from eye level? Yeah. Yeah. All right, okay. So the last game. This was the third highest rating, sorry, fourth highest rating video game on Metacritic of last year. <laughs> Did it deserve that in any way, shape, or form? It got six reviews total. Huh? And it had a 91% rating. Uh-huh. It's technically not even a full game unto itself. It's an episode of a game. May? In May last year. See, for a minute I was going to guess it was that trailer, but that's not an episode. That's no, it's not PT. Kentucky Route Zero Episode 3. three? Yep. Kentucky Route Zero Episode 3 came out this oh. time last year. And out of six reviews, it got a 91%. I can't believe that only has six reviews. <laughs> because okay. not everyone is fucking listening to me and playing it. <laughs> So yeah, uh, it has six reviews, and I didn't review it. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it's it is considered the the fourth highest rated game of 2014. It Which has, is really strange since it's the best game ever made. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that even if you if you if you look at how the aggregation of that works, that's not just a matter of the game is really quite good. It's also no one had a bad thing to say about it. It, it's no one made a sharply differentiating review. It's not a case that they got 500s and 150, and that's why they're sitting around 91%. No, it's like, generally speaking, anyone who had anything to say about this game had good things to say. Which is pretty special in and of itself, because people are more motivated to talk about it when they get pissed off at a game than when they enjoy the game. Yeah, I mean, look at Jeb. Jeb was, Jeb was reluctant to review the game when he played it. I didn't review the game. Yeah. My article about the game is specifically titled, This is Not a Review. <laughs> yeah. Well, even to just share, though, because the, you know, the state of social media commentary culture that Talon's Media Studies class probably has a special word for is just that it, you know, encourages... It's the sharenomics of it encourages humorous negativity a lot more than genuine appreciation. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. So I just thought that as a little capstone to our Kentucky to, to our uh, retro gaming news this week, Jeb would like to be reminded that yeah, Kentucky Route Zero is really, really good, and it's recognized as being really, really good. That that makes me quite happy because Kentucky Route Zero is. Probably the reason I even bother with this industry. <laughs> steal Jack the Geek's phrase again. Or to, to, to steal it like I did in my article. It's to people who aren't familiar with Kentucky Route Zero. It's like everybody else is making games wrong and Cardboard Computer somehow knows how to do it right and they're not telling anyone. <laughs> yeah. And Jack the Geek has made some, has worked on some incredible things. 
he's he worked on uh, Castles in the Sky, which is basically you're playing a bedtime story. Thank you very much for tuning in for this, the 17th episode of the Downloadable Concept Podcast. That's been Jeb. That's been Fox. And that's been Talon. Tune in next week when hopefully not everything will be on fire. Flavor. P L A B O U R. That's not a real word. It's so not. That is like the not real word of not real words. <laughs> that is some bullshit. <laughs>